things are looking good coming up on entry. Vehicle reports entry interface. We are beginning to feel the atmosphere uh, as we go in here. Uh, it is reporting that we are seeing G's on the order of uh, 11 to 12 vertices. Universal 2 is starting. We are now getting telemetry from Odyssey. We should have parachute deploy around Mach 1.7. Parachute is deployed. We are decelerating. Sea chill step has separated, we've found the ground. We're down to 90 meters per second at an altitude of 6.5 kilometers descending. Standing by for batch shell separation. We are in powered flight. We're at an altitude of one kilometer descending. Standing by for sky crane. Sky crane has started. He remains strong. Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. I don't know about you, but I'm sometimes amazed at by what we can do. That was Curiosity landing last year about this time on Mars. Now, we are, um, I, it took that rocket, the rocket to get Curiosity there, it took that rocket ship 253 days to get to Mars. On a rocket ship. I mean, that's not like grandma driving, okay? Did you know that there are a couple people sitting in a room somewhere on Earth and going, yep, I'm just going to move it a little bit this way. Can you believe that? And it's moving something on Mars. Now, we are so obsessed with this idea of human accomplishment, aren't we? We're so obsessed with that, this idea of control and, and this idea of being able to tame the things around us. Uh, and and uh, we figured out a, a way to tame the wild beasts, you know. We figured out a way to control the airwaves. We figured out a way to communicate uh, thousands and thousands of miles. We've, we figured out a way to fly an airplane without somebody in it. And we figured out a way to control a rover on Mars from Earth. We love being in control, don't we? Isn't that true as humans? We love being in control, and the problem is, we like to control everything else, but we can't seem to control this, right? We can't seem to control me. In James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says, For every species of uh, beast and bird, of reptile and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. <laughs> yeah, isn't that true? <laughs> Some of you are nodding in agreement. Yeah, we know that, don't we? we if, so if we can't even tame the most, uh, one of the smallest parts of our body, how are we going to do that with our whole being, right? 
But here we find at the end of this list of the fruits of the Spirit, here it is staring in our, in an, in our face, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. <laughs> so these are evidences that God is at work in my life. These are, are ways that God demonstrates His strength, His power through us, and, and it affects other people. Self-control depends on the Holy Spirit work inside of me, not my work on the outside of me. So why is it that self-control is so hard? Why is it that we struggle with this, that we fight for it, and that we, we can't master ourselves? Well, first it's because uh, without it we're vulnerable. We know that it's important. We know that self-control is one of those traits, one of those characteristics that you say, yes, you need it in your life, <laughs> right? Yes, okay, I need it in my life too. Uh, and people throughout time have looked at this characteristic and have said, yes, it's important. It's, it's a virtue. It's almost being put on a pedestal because we know the trouble that we get into without it. And Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. There's a weakness, there's a vulnerability that the enemy likes to exploit. When our walls are down, we fall prey, don't we? And our lack of self-control allows a foothold from the enemy. It's that easy target in our lives. And maybe you can pinpoint it, maybe, maybe it's a little bit harder, but things like greed, things like uh, gluttony, whether of food or of things, lust, habits, that destroy our lives and destroy the lives of those we love. And even the everyday things that we have trouble controlling, right, in our own lives. Wasted time. How often do we waste time in our lives? But like James says, our mouth can be the biggest problem of all. And we try to build up that wall. We try to maintain discipline. We try to watch what we say, but we can't seem to get our defenses up before the next attack comes, right? That idea of self-control is, is necessary and needed and we are so vulnerable. So is there an area in your life that the enemy likes to exploit? That he says, you know what? In your life, in my life, this is where I would go. If I'm trying to penetrate these walls, if I'm trying to go into this city, this is the area of your life or my life that I'm headed for. You know, self-control is so hard, not only because we're vulnerable, but because we try to fix it ourselves. Go ahead and turn to, to Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. You know, as humans and, and even as Christians, we figure that if we try really hard, if we focus enough, if we remove those obstacles from our path, if we, uh, um, if we guilt ourselves, if we punish ourselves, we'll be able to conquer this problem in our lives. We'll be able to conquer uh, this issue, whatever it is, in our lives. And you know what? Maybe in an area or two we might look like we got it covered, but there's plenty more where it's obvious that we don't have control, right? Why can't I do it? Why is it that we struggle so much to control the beast that is in us 
We're obsessed with it, right? We battle to make ourselves stop. And, and we even in the middle of that, we try, we throw up our best defenses. You know, we say, now this, this should do it. This should help me control the situation, control my sin problem. In, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, the end of verse 20 and, and uh, verse 21, it says, Why do you submit yourselves to such, degree, uh, such decrees, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? It's like my, my own checklist of ways to stop doing the things that, that I struggle with. Okay, I'm going to make my rules. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, have these things that I'm going to put up that are going to be barriers so that the enemy won't be able to get a foothold in my life. Verse 23 says, there are matters which have, uh, these are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. The Bible says, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, well, we try, we try to say, you know, I'm going to control uh, this action, this problem by making a list of ways, a list of rules that will keep me in line. That's how I will exhibit self-control in my life. And after that doesn't work, we say, well, what about your list? That looks good. Let me try that. And it looks good. And it looks like it should work. And then we realize it, it didn't do any good. It didn't help me. Take James' example of the tongue. In, in the book of James, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, it says that the words we use, it says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. These things ought not to be this way. And we say, yeah, that's right. You know, in my conversation, in my daily life, there are times where, where I and saying, oh God, I praise you, I want to honor you, I want to glorify you in everything that I say and, and do. And then the next minute we find ourselves, don't we, saying something to someone that is detrimental to them, that is hurtful to them, that tears them down instead of building them up. And so what do we do? We, we recognize that that's a problem, right? We say it shouldn't be that way. So we recognize the problem and we try to make our own solutions. Okay, I can deal with that. I just won't speak, <laughs> right? That will solve it. That'll help me, you know? And, and in reality, there are some people who have made a vow of silence in order to keep themselves from being vulnerable to that sin. So I don't have to worry about it anymore, right? I, I will never be in danger of cursing my brother because I'm not going to say a word. Here's the problem. Not only do we lose out on blessing our Father, that part, you know, we, want, we need that in our lives. We, we should be honoring and glorifying to Him. But we also miss the point. The point is not, is, isn't just not to say to, to someone else bad things, but our goal, God's uh, purpose for our words is to lift people up. So if we eliminate that altogether, where, where are we left? And so those are some of the things that we try. We, we uh, try to manage ourselves. We try to control ourselves. We try to set up these false uh, barriers. And the Bible says they're of no value against fleshly indulgences. <laughs> they don't help me. 
Our self-correction looks good, but it doesn't change my heart. You know, we can't depend on outward actions to cause an inward change. That's our struggle, isn't it? We can't depend on, on trying to do something to change the inside when the inside is the problem. Even in the middle of our conversation, even in the middle of saying, you know what, I'm not going to say a word, I won't be in danger of cursing my brother or sister, we're still mumbling to ourselves under our breath, aren't we? Oh boy, that... Right? And we may think of... of um, there's this idea of asceticism or, or self-denial that says, uh, I mean, it ranges from silly, from ridiculous, like wearing itchy clothes just to show how serious, God, I, I'm serious about getting this under control. I'm not going to be comfortable any time of the day, right? To very extreme and harmful acts that include beating yourselves into submission, and it doesn't work. And we may think of those examples as strange, as, as examples of, of things, well, I, I would never do that. That's, that's ridiculous. But we still have our own forms of asceticism. We have our own forms of, of trying to bring control to our lives through our actions, through doing something to me. I'm going to change me. I don't like what I see. I want God to love me, so let me focus on getting blank under control. It's trusting in that outward action to make the difference, to change the inside. And Paul says, rules don't win the war against my fleshly desires and indulgences. I can't tame these problems, these difficulties through my own lists or my own ideas. And you'll see in all of these fruits of the Spirit, we're discovering that it's not the action alone that makes the difference. It's not the action alone that the Holy Spirit is after. It's the heart behind it that He changes. So you can do loving things, right? You can do things that on the outside seem loving, but if there's no love in your heart, it's not really love, is it? And if you can do kind things, but if kindness is not in your heart, then it's not kindness, is it? So you can do these self-control things, but unless God has changed your heart, it's not doing you any good, is it? The heart change comes first, and then it shows up on the outside. So if my method uh, doesn't work, if, if the way that I do it, if the way that I try to tame myself, if the way, the way that I try to bring self-control into my life doesn't work, why is God expecting of it of me in Galatians 5.23? It's listed here as a fruit of the Spirit. Things that we should be evidencing in our lives. So how can self-control be a part of my life? Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. How can self-control be a part of my life? First of all, know who it is that needs to be in control and give it to him. Give him that control. We're so quick to think that self-control is myself in control. 
I'm doing it. But what we're really talking about is the control of self. Somebody's got to control me. Who's going to do it? God can, and he wants to. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul kind of gets into his, his mom voice, okay? You know what a mom voice is, right? It's that, it's that uh, okay, son, you got to do this, this, and this. I've, I've never heard that mom voice, by the way. Uh, but uh, he says, this is the only thing that I want to find out from you. <laughs> he says, okay, buddy, what'd you do? <laughs> right? This is what I want to know from you. Okay, there's a, a glass vase that was broken. All I want to know is, did you do it or not? And I already know the answer, right? So Paul says, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It says, when God gave you His Holy Spirit at salvation, was it because you were living and doing right? The answer is no, right? No, of course not. That's why he saved me. That's why I needed him, because I wasn't living that way. I wasn't living as I should. There was something, there was something in between me and him. And was your salvation because you were fulfilling the law? No. <laughs> that was the obvious answer, right? But look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? Oh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> Appreciate that one. It says, what are you doing then? Having begun by the Spirit, having been saved by His Spirit, having been rescued in a way that, that you couldn't do yourself, says, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You still think it's your job to clean up your act? <laughs> you can't do it. A little chiding from the Apostle Paul, but it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Listen, God's Word says that I... Uh, doesn't say that I have to fix my life, that I have to come before God and say, okay, God, you saved me, you rescued me, you did an amazing thing in, in, in my life, but I got it from now on, okay? Just, I'll, I'll, I'll handle this one. You don't have to deal with the rest of my junk, right? I'll take care of it. You know, he's not looking for us to take the lead on this. <laughs> he's looking for us to follow him. And God comes to us knowing that our lives are out of control, that we failed him time and time again to get it under control. And he says, I never asked you to fix it. I'm asking you to let me do something in you that will change your heart. Now we talk about that a lot in salvation, but Paul is saying here, you need to continue to live that way. You need to continue to depend on his spirit for change in your life, for that uh, uh, control that you seek isn't found in you and your abilities. So what does he want us to do? He says, pursue me. Pursue the only one who can fill your needs. Now, it doesn't mean that we ignore those areas that need change. It doesn't mean that we won't be challenged in these areas. You know, we look to those things that we're so desperate to rid ourselves of, to fulfill us. We want those things to, and we believe those things will fill us up, will help us on our journey, and we find out that they're empty, right? So he says, 
realize and recognize that they're empty and that only I can fill you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. Look at that in Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather, I like this, rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? It says, don't try to take the reins back. When I saved you, when I rescued you from that place of, the Bible calls it slavery to your sin, of being bound to your sin, of being obedient to your sin, when he rescued you from that, he set you free. And he says, don't go back. You don't owe it anything. Isn't that good news? We don't have to, we aren't obligated to fall into our old patterns and behaviors. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. It was for living and abiding in freedom. He didn't set us free to be bound again to sin. He set us free so that we can hold and live in freedom. It says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery. He says, I want to do a work in your life. Don't go back to pursuing what had enslaved you. You know, as a believer, as one who has trusted Christ for forgiveness and a right relationship with God, you are not bound to those things anymore. You are not required. You are not obligated to those things anymore. You don't have to act like sin's servant anymore. And you don't have to trust your wall of self-control that's falling apart, right? That's showing that vulnerability. You need to trust his wall of self-control in your life. Galatians chapter 5, 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We say, okay, if, if I can't do it, if I can't build up my walls big enough, if I can't repair those walls, how is this going to happen? It says, how, it just seems like I, I continue to carry out the desires of the flesh. Paul even talks about, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that, that I, I should do, I don't do. What in the world is going on? He's saying it as a believer. Then he says, thanks be to God, (laughs) right? Who has delivered me, who has saved me, who has rescued me. He says, walk by the Spirit. You know, we get too focused on uh, beating this problem that we have, of controlling our lives, that we lose sight of following after him. We have this focus, this... this, uh, all of our energy is going up into building our own walls, right? Into building those things that this barrier, this will help me keep control in my life, keep me away from sin. And we lose sight of following after him. We want to defeat those things because we think, okay, I need it for me instead of I want to honor Christ in this. But you know what? The more we pursue him, the more that we follow after him, 
the more we'll lose sight of our problems that we've tried to con- control. The more that we'll lose sight of the things that, that have gripped us for so long as we continue to follow after him. James chapter 4, the chapter after uh, chapter 3, obviously, but <laughs> chapter 3 is talking about the tongue, right? It's talking about the pain that it brings and the, the, the uh, incredible impact that our words have. In chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It says, this is what I want you to focus on, okay? Focus on the Lord. Focus on, on allowing him to, to feed you, to fill you with his spirit, with his hope, with his joy, with his self-control. It says in verse 10, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. We come before God and we say, God, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. This thing in my life has been kicking my butt for a while. And I need you to take care of it for me. I need you to be the one who can uh, uh, bring this control over this area of my life. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. Know who you are. And then it says, and he will exalt you. And he will exalt you. It's his work. And he's the one who is bringing out something in your life that only he can do. So how can we uh, have self-control? How can self-control be a part of our lives? First, by knowing that, it, uh, that we know that, uh, who it is that needs to be in control. We know that God is the one who needs to be in control. Second, pursue the only one who can fill your needs. Pursue Christ. And then third, look for the way out that he has provided. You know, if there are things that, that uh, are controlling you, that you're tempted by, that you're drawn to, that have been a, a struggle for your life, he wants you to know that you don't have to act like it's servant and it's slave. And here's the kicker. He's promised us that there will always be an exit that honors God. There will always be an exit that honors God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. He says, you're not the first person to struggle with this. I know it feels like you're alone. I know it feels like, like you're overwhelmed and no one understands what you're going through. But guess what? The Bible challenges us and says to us, you're not the only one who is struggling. Then it says, and God is faithful. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? So because he's faithful, this is what happens. He says in this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So I want to encourage you today. You know, if there is that thing in your life that just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up and you say, I've tried to control it myself, first give it to the Lord. Pursue Him and then know that there's a way out. 
Know that he has equipped you with everything you need. And look for it. In the middle of temptation, in the middle of struggle, don't say, well, I, I guess I have no choice here. It looks like I'm just surrounded. Say, okay, God, you've promised. You promised me that there's an exit. So where is it? Start looking for the exit. Start looking for the, the way that God has provided for you to, to have control in your life, for God to have control in your life. Look for the exit and take it. You know, at the end of this list of the fruit of the Spirit in verse 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, says, against such there is no law. <laughs> no one makes laws banning these things, right? Nope, you can't be joyful. <laughs> Stop it. Stop right now. No, don't show love. Please, whatever you do, don't show love. No one makes laws banning these things. But even further than that, as these become more and more true in your life, as the Holy Spirit produces these fruits in your life, you move further and further away from being in danger of crossing the line. Now, does it mean that we're going to be perfect? Does it mean that we're never going to sin, that we're never going to fail, that we're never going to fall into temptation? No. The Bible says we'd be fools to think that. But it does mean that we, as we grow towards him, we make less and less of those poor choices, don't we? You know, there's an amazing truth in God's word called sanctification. It's a work that he does in us to cleanse us, to make us new, to make us fresh, to help us as we struggle with sin, to help us, to make us pure. And you know what? The end of sanctification is not on earth. The end of sanctification is in heaven when he completely and utterly purifies us. And you know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes I say, God, why can't that be right now? <laughs> why don't you just do it? And you know what? I don't know all the answers to that, but I know that he has a purpose and a plan and a journey that he wants to take you on. A journey of, of bearing fruit, not only for your own good, not only for your own life, but also for the lives of those around you. I love Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. <laughs> Good news, right? <laughs> no, here it is. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ lives in you. He is the one that I've given control of my life to. It says, and the life that I now live in the flesh, in this body, the, the, the journey that I'm on right now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He turned over all of himself so that you could have life. So that you could have these fruits in your life. So that you could exhibit these things that impact the lives of those around you. Will you let him do that work in you? You know, maybe today you're burdened with trying to do something, right? Trying to kick this habit. 
or uh, get a handle on this situation or figure this out or uh, there's an area of temptation that has just been a burden to you, allow God to challenge you today. You know, I have something uh, that I'm trying to get a handle on in my life and I've never really turned it over to you. I've never really allowed you to take control of it. I want to pursue you instead of that thing. Or maybe you've never trusted Christ to remove your sin, to make a right relationship between you and Him. You can do that today. You know, last weekend, someone trusted Christ as their Savior. How incredible that God would take brokenness, that God would take our sin upon him and say, you're clean, you're pure, you're whole. I want to continue to do a work in your life. Why don't we pray together? Father, we come before you And Lord, we've tried it all sorts of ways. We've made our own list of ways that we can uh, keep ourselves from sinning. And Lord, some of those things are beneficial to our lives, but some, in reality, are drawing us away from you. Lord, the whole purpose is not for us to gain control over our lives. The whole purpose is for you to gain control over our lives. So we ask you, you have started a work in us. Would you complete it? Would you continue to work in us? Would you continue uh, to allow your spirit to produce these fruits in our lives? Lord, help us today. In Jesus' name. Amen.